After praising California Governor Gavin Newsom for issuing a moratorium on death row executions, Senator Kamala Harris pledges to do the same if elected POTUS. Welcome to a Black Talk Radio news segment as we take a look at social media posts sent out by Senator Kamala Harris endorsing the decision of California's Governor Gavin Newsom to halt death row executions in the state. I do not believe that a civilized society can claim to be a leader in the world as long as its government continues to sanction the premeditated and discriminatory execution of his people. Newsom said in a statement accompanying an executive order which was issued Wednesday declaring a moratorium on capital punishment in the state of California. The death penalty is inconsistent with our values and strikes at the very heart of what it means to be a Californian. KPIX, a CBS affiliate out of the San Francisco Bay Area, had this short report. Now to our other top story, Governor Newsom just signed an executive order suspending all executions in California, citing concerns of discrimination. Our Ann Makovic joins us live from San Quentin Prison with how the president is also firing back. Ann? Yeah, and effective immediately with this executive order, they closed the execution chamber here at San Quentin. So this morning they've been taking out the equipment and uh, basically putting that room on ice for now. This uh, order does not uh, does not uh, commute these people's sentences, but it does offer reprieve to hundreds of inmates right now on death row. This is about who I am as a human being. This is about what I can or cannot do. Uh, to me, this is the right thing to do. Governor Newsom says the death penalty has discriminated against defendants who are mentally ill, racial minorities, or can't afford expensive lawyers, providing no public safety benefit or value as a deterrent. I cannot sign off on executing hundreds and hundreds of human beings, knowing, knowing that among them will be innocent human beings. But just three years ago, California voters showed their support of the death penalty, voting to expedite executions by shortening the appeals process. Newsom's moratorium has already been highly criticized, President Trump tweeting this morning. Defying voters, the governor of California will halt all death penalty executions of 737 stone-cold killers. Friends and family of the always forgotten victims are not thrilled, and neither am I. To help me analyze... What Senator Harris is signaling or not signaling with her endorsement of actions taken by Governor Newsom, what impact, if any, will it have on her campaign for president? I am joined by Rory Fleming, who you can find on Twitter at Rory Fleming, the number eight and the letter A. That's Rory Fleming 8A on Twitter. Mr. Fleming is an experienced political consultant and criminal justice policy wonk who currently works at Fog Light Strategies, which is a strategic research and communications for progressive prosecutor candidates and criminal justice organizations. Thank you for joining me, Rory. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Rory, to start, what are your thoughts on what is interpreted as a courageous political move by Governor Newsom by some to use executive authority to halt executions in California? What are your initial thoughts? Were there any signs pointing to the decision? Yes. So I think that he's responding to a um, a long long game effort by a tremendous number of very, very intelligent and um, social justice minded attorneys to 
call attention to um, how how bad the uh, administration of the death penalty is out in California. You know, um, people generally think of California as a liberal or progressive utopia. Um, and, you know, in a lot of ways, it, it can be. Um, they're on the cutting edge of a lot of things like environmental uh, protection and uh, uh, minimum wage increase and, and things of that nature. But when it comes to the criminal justice system, it has a lot more in common with uh, with Texas in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to the death penalty. Um, it may surprise some uh, some listeners to know that uh, one of the um, one of the very most active counties in terms of uh, putting people on death row where uh, prisoners are pretty arbitrarily decided compared to other uh, people who've been convicted of first degree murder um, to live in solitary confinement for often decades and then eventually be executed. Um, Los Angeles is is just a complete um, uh, assembly line or uh, is, assembly line is a good way to put it in terms of putting new people on the death penalty. It's just it's rote. It's routine. Uh, the people put on death row are predominantly non-white. They're predominantly poor. Uh, they're predominantly very, very mentally um, disturbed and not on the level of, um, you know, I uh, was down because I got fired from my job or something, but on the level of uh, severe bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, IQs in the 60s and 70s, though California has um, has been pretty good at not putting people on death row with uh, below 70 IQs. But throughout the 70s and early 80s in terms of IQ, uh, 100 is average, uh, 70s and 80s is, is borderline intellectually disabled, and uh, a lot of people on death row are, are in that range. Um, and that's just who, who we put there. Uh, when you look at how many homicides there are in these counties in California that put uh, so many people on death row, it's, um, it, you know, it's just a very small fraction of, of people who've committed murder. But the people who ultimately get, get put there uh, are the people who are most vulnerable. So I think that Gavin, uh, Governor uh, Gavin Newsom's decision was... Um, was the right thing to do, most certainly. And it is very brave because as that um, that piece that you played shows, yeah, Californians did vote to retain the death penalty by a narrow margin in 2016. And they also voted by a narrow margin to speed up the appeals process because of this idea that the appeals process is too long, like the capital punishment doesn't have the alleged deterrent effect um, that it would otherwise um, because, you know, people are still living for like 20, 30 years. California basically hasn't executed very many people at all, but it's still constant solitary confinement. Um, and, um, you know, with the impending knowledge that you are going to be put to death in a premeditated way uh, in one of those horror movie green chairs that uh, they removed from San Quentin. So um, that said, I it's, it's predominantly brave, not because of uh, the debate over capital punishment in California um, amongst the populace, I would say it's much more brave because now law enforcement in California will probably hate Gavin Newsom, uh, probably permanently, um, and see him as a sort of enemy of the state um, until until he's gone. Um, Whereas before, I think that the district attorneys and sheriffs and police chiefs were much more neutral about his candidacy. Um, Gavin Newsom, in a lot of ways, has been known as a sort of... uh, rich, white, handsome, moderate dude who just, uh, you know, has, for a long time, he was just kind of known as a pro-corporate, like, big corporation 
like moderate Democrat. And uh, like no one saw him as any kind of like progressive potential. He was just kind of a uh, run of the mill candidate with a particular amount of charisma, I guess. Um, so it definitely comes as a surprise and a pleasant uh, surprise to a lot of people, but also a a, a appalling shock to a lot of uh, more law and order type voters in California. As Senator Harris's social media accounts are apt to do, concerning recent news headlines, her Twitter account tweeted the following, the death penalty is immoral, discriminatory, ineffective, and proven to be unequally applied. I applaud Governor Gavin Newsom for his decision to put a moratorium on this deeply flawed system of capital punishment in California. Later in an interview with NPR, Senator Harris is quoted as saying that if she was elected president, she would follow Newsom's lead and block the U.S. government from executing any of the 62 people on federal death row. No one would be executed if you were president of the United States for any crime, asked by the NPR Morning Edition host. Correct, correct, Harris replied, not in the United States. Rory, as a person who professionally has researched the policy positions of prosecutors and DAs across the United States, what do you recall about Senator Harris's professional record and policy positions as a public official in California on the death penalty before joining the U.S. Senate, and do they conflict with the death penalty stance she is staking out as she campaigns for POTUS 2020? Certainly, yes. So I think that uh, there's a strong case to be made that she's definitely doing this for uh, political opportunism due to the fact that um, the DNC, the Democrat National Convention in 2016, had a uh, bitter battle uh, between the, the Sanders wing and the, the Hillary wing um, regarding a lot of issues, but including the death penalty, because uh, Hillary Clinton w- had supported the death penalty for, um, you know, Bill Clinton had actually flown back to Arkansas even as president, you where he was former, formerly the governor of Arkansas and oversaw executions. Basically, you know, probably he would say as a civic duty of sorts. I, I almost wonder if people who do that or politicians almost do it for a sick sense of fun, um, it, which as morbid as that sounds, um, working on death penalty issues for many years now, that's uh, kind of how I feel about it. Um, but yeah, so so the DNC, though, um, made it an official part of the Democratic platform that year that the death penalty was unacceptable. Like, like Democrats running for president can't support the death penalty. And so Hillary uh, recapitulated and after a lot of hand wringing about the issue said, well, I don't support capital punishment anymore. But it's one of those sorts of things where, um, yes, we've gotten to the point where where public opinion has shifted nationwide um, over the last two decades, where in the 90s, 80s and 90s, about 70 percent of Americans believed that capital punishment was uh, an appropriate punishment um, for certain crimes. Now that is down to about 55% and uh, I think it's right. So it's still uh, a very small majority, but um, you know, a lot of these public polling questions depend on how they're asked. There are studies that show that if you uh, remind people that life without parole is an option, for instance, um, and that death isn't necessary because, you know, there's that option, um, which has a lot of its own issues, but that's kind of a more politically difficult thing to broach with people like not having life without parole. Um, most Americans actually do support not having the death penalty as long as there is a life without parole option. So it's still complicated. But the thing is that um, um, 
at this point, it's four years later or or a couple of years later. It's going to be four years later by the time of the election. Um, the uh, traction has continued on anti-death penalty advocacy. A couple of states have uh, uh, bills that are, are uh, seeming successful so far as, as to uh, get rid of the death penalty in some more democratic states. Um, and I think that she just has a lot to gain right now as like a, um, a new progressive voice or however she might um, be presenting herself to say that she doesn't support it. But definitely her record on uh, the death penalty is is mixed as San Francisco district attorney and uh, pretty abysmal as California California's attorney general for about six years. Um, she she did support the death penalty as district attorney, even though most voters in San Francisco have not supported the death penalty for quite a long time. Um, now it's about uh, 70% opposed the death penalty in San Francisco based on that uh, most recent ballot initiative. But she was like, um, it's not my role to, uh, to substitute my personal feelings about it over the state's uh, legislature, um, which there is an argument there. But at the same time, as, as uh, I've mentioned before on, on your show, um, prosecutors have an immense amount of discretion. And um, and also just an immense amount of uh, lobbyist influence in the legislature. And so she could have back then been the one district attorney in the state to say, well, I don't I don't support the death penalty. And even having one would have been assigned to um, to anti-death penalty activists that like she she gets it. And like it's worth fighting the death penalty in California. But she wouldn't even give uh, that kind of um, uh, morale boost to people who are opposed to it. Um, she, uh, but she did. I will say that she did as DA have a, uh, uh, a cop killing case where um, there was a lot of obvious outrage about it, as, as there tends to be universally in those sorts of cases, but she decided to not seek death. But it was much more in a uh, sense of, oh, I looked at the individual facts of the case, and I don't think that it's appropriate. Um, so, I, you know, she gets a point in the, the good column for that, but then as attorney general, she defended uh, grievous prosecutorial misconduct in death penalty cases, um, including in cases where people could potentially be innocent. Um, and it was not something she was often asked as AG on a political line, like if that's right. But um, but her philosophy about it was very much, well, this is what I'm paid to do. Like, I, I have a civic duty here to uphold the law of the land. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to defend all of these death penalty cases um, until it's impossible to defend them anymore. Um, and, and her record just on that kind of issue is, is definitely problematic. Uh, it, it definitely puts into um, into my perspective a deep skepticism as to whether or not she would actually uh, commute the federal death row. Um, you got to also remember that federal death row is, is interesting in that um, states that don't have the death penalty can still give people a federal death sentence if it violates the federal statute. So Obviously, that is a bar, um, but it, it, uh, to some degree, uh, and the people who are on federal death row tend to be particularly, um, uh, you know, people high who committed particularly heinous crimes. But or high, high profile yeah. cases. Uh, not even that so much. Generally, when the um, when the defendants have committed something that can be construed as an act of terrorism. Um, like domestic terror, terrorism. So obviously something like uh, the Boston bombers, the Boston bomber case, uh, kid was 19, but he bombed the Boston Marathon, killed a couple of people, injured a lot more. And so he got federal death 
row because he was prosecuted federally in a state where he couldn't get the death penalty. Um, and prosecutors justified it by the heinousness of the crime. I believe um, Dylan Roof, not, Dylan Roof yeah, is another Yeah, so Dylan Roof is one. also on federal death row. Um, the, the interesting thing, of course, about federal death row that I'm, I'm wondering if, um, if people will talk about is, um, and I've actually heard this from a friend of mine named Ethan Brown, who's a journalist down in, um, in New Orleans who, um, has written books about federal prisons and he has, he's probably one of the rare civilians in America who has visited basically every federal prison in America uh, as research for one of his books. Um, he has been to both the death row um, prison in uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, as well as the Supermax prison where they generally put Paris, which is uh, ADX Florence Supermax in Florence, Colorado. And he actually said, you know, because people on federal death row uh, generally don't get executed because of uh, the extremely laborious and long federal appeals process. Um, he, in his opinion, Dylan Roof actually is, is getting, would be getting more punishment, ironically, if he had life without parole, because in the Supermax, it's like a complete uh, sensory deprivation tank. You, uh, you basically, you don't even have a real chair, because they, they can screw everything you can possibly have as something that you're going to use to kill somebody. And so you're basically in a non non padded type room uh with with basically nothing in it and you get visits behind like glass and you sit on a cold cylinder and that's uh the the the, the peak enjoyment that you're allowed to have for the rest of your life uh whereas Terra Hoff conditions apparently even on death row are not quite as bad um which is wild but uh but yeah so so it's an interesting thing because i think that regardless of that the there's definitely a, a point to be made that, you know, if we're serious about not having the death penalty in society, that, that's got to mean everybody. And I think that when Kamala Harris looks at those cases, I, I really don't think that she's going to actually fulfill that promise. Um, and I think that she is saying it because it's a political, politically expedient thing to do. Well, all, what people also, know Rory, about the death penalty. also, Rory, you just stated um, earlier in this this podcast that is a requirement to run for DNC. You have to state that to be the DNC nominee. You have to be against the death penalty. Isn't that what you stated? Right. So it's not only so, uh, politically expedient, but it's a requirement. But again, this this then, you know, it's a question of, well, can we trust this person to actually do anything uh, with the executive right. authority that they hold? Uh, on this issue, and it sounds like uh, she would not be one of those. That's definitely what I think. It, it's indeed possible that uh, that um, the DNC's uh, policy platform could change in 2020, but if it does, I expect that it will do so to push the candidates to the left to kind of show that, like, the Bernie wing with, like, talking about, like, stuff like Medicare for all has or Medicaid for all, rather, has gained traction. I really doubt that they'd revisit it and say we like the death penalty again, especially because of the fact that the percentage of people nationwide in uh, nationwide polling seems to be ever decreasing in terms of uh, people who actually support the death penalty. So there's a small possibility that they can change it. I really don't think they will. I think Kamala Harris knows that, and she is going based on what is good political strategy right now, which is to right. do what probably will be a requirement. Right, and we're still very early in the uh, the uh, 2020 uh, run for the DNC nomination, very early in that process. Definitely. Um, 
you know, one last uh, thing. Uh, we know President Donald Trump is unreservedly for the death penalty, and he let everyone know how he feels about the California moratorium on carrying out executions. To your knowledge, mm -hmm. Rory, where does some of Senator Harris's competition in the race for the DNC nomination stand on the issue of the death penalty? What about the other prosecutor running for president and the reported front runners, Joe Biden and Senator Sanders? Where do they stand on the issue of states and the federal government sanctioning the killing of prisoners? Yes, that's, that's a very good question. Um, Biden tends to be a uh, tough on crime sort of uh, fundamentalist. I think that, uh, that he would say that he's opposed to it if that's the platform. I don't think that he actually is opposed to it. And I, I doubt that he would actually use the sentences. Um, Klobuchar would probably be somewhere in the middle. I haven't seen her address the issue yet, but, um, but she, she tends to agree very strongly with um, with her prosecutor kind of family. You know, prosecutors do stay in touch. Um, and I think that she would say, well, it's not my place to um, challenge, like, the, basically, like, the federal prosecutor bar in terms of what they think is right. Um, they they all want it. And a lot of them do seem to, to agree with it, especially because of the, ten, the types of cases that they tend to get, which are particularly awful. Um, I, so I think that she would probably say that she's opposed to it, but not commute the sentences and like probably appoint the uh, Department of Justice, uh, you know, like head uh, attorney general who would also basically say the death penalty has its place. Um, so like somebody like Boston Bomber, or especially like a Dylan Reese, they're going to go for it. Um in terms of Sanders, he's never really talked about it that much because Vermont hasn't had the death penalty in so long. Uh, it, it, I know that only one state started out with not having the death penalty, and that was Michigan um, when it when it became a state. But uh, I'm pretty sure Vermont was one of the very first to to get rid of it, so like early 1900s probably. Mm. And so I, I think that he probably – it's not like an issue that he's probably spent a lot of time thinking about. But I also don't think that, especially now, uh, as kind of the standard bearer of the left on a lot of issues in terms of, like, you know, like all the progressive talking points, he's been saying a lot of them for the most part for a long time, while sometimes being deaf on, uh, on racial, uh, matters. Um, I, I think that, I think that he would probably say no death penalty, advocate for states to stop using it as barbaric, um, and whether or not he would commute the death row, I don't know. I feel like that would be a political football in of itself because uh, people would perceive it as giving um, giving a gift to people who are who are the closest thing to people we consider evil, right? And so I, I don't I don't know exactly what he would do like uh, once he is in office. And and at the end of the day, it's only I think there's only around 30, 40 people on federal death row. It's really not that many people, whereas California has over 700 people, which is part of the reason that Gavin Newsom's decision is so big. But that said, the president of the United States definitely has a um, rhetorical impact. And so um, we've definitely noticed that prosecutors throughout especially the Deep South, have been talking about the death penalty a lot more. And, and I'm not sure if there's studies yet about this because it's only been the last two years. 
um, and these types of things tend to take time, and it's actually hard to get charging data. But I, I wonder if prosecutors have actually started charging uh, the death penalty more often. Um, the numbers are still very, very down compared to what they used to be. Over the last couple of years, there's only been about like 30 to 35 new death sentences across the country. Uh, it's definitely dying out by attrition, um, but it's definitely something that is still problematic in states where it exists because prosecutors who don't feel like doing the work to prove that somebody actually committed murder will just say, well, okay, um, if you go to trial and we, we find you guilty, we're going to we're gonna seek the death penalty. You're probably going to get it. So you better plea and get life without parole or we're going to literally kill you. A, um, yeah. a quick review of OurRevolution.com. That's where Bernie Sanders' uh, campaign issues are, are listed. It's not at uh, BernieSanders.com. It's at OurRevolution.com and just a quick review under his racial justice issues. Uh, I believe that's, let me make sure that's what he's calling it. Yes. Under racial justice issues, it talks about, uh, physical violence perpetrated by the state, but it makes no mention of the death penalty. It, it mentions, uh, you know, the victims of police shootings in that regard, but no mention, um, at all. Um, as I go, you know, through this list of legal violence, which I certainly would categorize the death penalty as legal violence. Um, there's no mention of it here under this bullet point as well. So, um, you know, right. that's something that, uh, our revolution needs to address and make clear where do they, uh, stand on the issue of the death penalty. Well, as we conclude, any final thoughts on the candidates or the issue of the death penalty in the USA? And of course, Rory, let the audience know how they can reach out, reach out to you online. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say that first. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at Rory Fleming, 8-A-R-O-R-Y-F-L-E-M-I-N-G-8 and the letter A, or at my consulting firm, Foglight Strategies, which is also on Twitter. Um, feel free to uh, follow me. Um, I also have open uh, direct messages, and so I respond to anyone who uh, who wants to hit me up about anything. Um, and so, yeah, so that said, um, the death penalty is obviously still a politically fraught social issue. A lot of people feel really, really strongly about it. Um, people are also definitely afraid to rankle um, the part of the victim's rights community that has uh, lost a loved one to uh, a homicide um, and, like, the, vic uh, the victims who um, actually, like, want the person who committed that homicide uh, who killed that uh, uh, person's loved one? They actually do want that person to die. Um, that, that even though that um, kind of uh, group of people has been seemingly shrinking, and there have been some uh, counter narrative groups like victims' rights communities that are opposed to the death penalty um, for various reasons. Um, they you, you definitely don't want to appear anti-murder victim, you know. Um, and so prosecutors will often. Um, uh, bring those uh, victims who like the death penalty out and parade them, which is, I would say, kind of exploitative, uh, especially depending on the circumstances. Trump did something along these lines um, to make a point about being anti-immigration when he brought out some um, family members whose loved ones had been killed by an undocumented immigrant. Interestingly enough, one of those uh, uh, victims' moms um, 
is a Californian, and that was a California death penalty case. Um, so th- there's some crossover with these issues. But, yeah, it's it's definitely something that I think that it's, it's much safer now for Democrats to say that they're opposed to it in practice. I think in terms of clearing um, the death row completely on the federal level, uh, just giving um, a group commutation, um, I think that that would be much more politically fraught. Um, once the person is actually the president. And um, and so I I kind of almost wonder if even somebody like Bernie Sanders would avoid it or somebody like Elizabeth Warren. I think that um, it's definitely case by case has a lot to do with the regions of the country that people are from. Uh, in Texas, the death penalty is just part of the culture. In a state like Massachusetts, uh, it's it's not. And California is kind of more like Texas in this regard, in, in that there is a sizable population that believes in it and believes in it vocally. Um, so it'll be an interesting issue to, uh, to watch, certainly. But I also don't think that, um, that any Democrat is going to be saying that they're pro-death penalty. Um, I think it's kind of like um, LGBT rights or, um, or, or uh, pro-life, pro-choice issues with ab- abortion, where it's one of those things that the Democratic plank has pretty clearly decided at this point, like the death penalty is something that um, at worst is something that you tolerate, but like preferably you you openly denounce it, even if you're not going around commuting sentences. So um, it'll be interesting to see if it becomes a campaign issue. Um, I kind of doubt it, but it's definitely possible. And I think it's definitely interesting to see uh, with with Kamala Harris, how she responds if she gets criticism for the contradictions of her current stance versus her stances as DA and Attorney General of California. Thank you, Rory, for joining me today and and giving us your opinion and thoughts on this issue. Yes, my pleasure. It's always great to be on. And thank you again. And thank you, listeners. Please support the creation and dissemination of independent Black media by making a contribution to the cause by giving a donation to the Black Talk Media Project. This is Scotty T. Reed for BTR News signing off by sending out peace and blessings to all.